Hey guys, we are so excited that you're here. Welcome to the Not Your Quick Fix podcast. I'm Kara Goss, online registered dietitian and health and fitness coach. And I'm Kylie Kaiser, online health and fitness coach, and we're your hosts. This podcast is all about improving yourself physically and mentally. And y'all, neither of those things can be improved with a quick fix. We are here to be real with you about your fitness and fat loss goals, your health, your mindset, and everything in between. If you're ready to open your mind to the process that self-improvement requires, instead of always looking for the next quick fix, then this is your podcast. Let's get started. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to the Not Your Quick Fix podcast. It's your girls, Kara and Kylie, back with episode 106. Kylie, how are we doing today? I am truthfully exhausted. <laughs> Kylie, uh, this is Kylie's every every day on the podcast. Dude, you me, had a late night though, right? Every night in comedy is a late night. I am perpetually exhausted. Fair <laughs> amount now. And I want I just started my period too. So I'm just like on top of that. Like I'm just like it's Oh, it's been a, it's been a, like the last few days I felt so tired and it being over the weekend when I had like so many shows was just like not ideal, but not um, ideal, but, I, but I'm good. I had um, a really great weekend, a really busy weekend. I did. I, I had three scheduled spots and I ended up with four. Um, there was a really fun little, I had like a late show on Saturday night at one of the clubs and there was a guy doing a show before it that was, his name's Charles. And he did this show called Charles angels. Love um, it. So he was funny. hosting. He was hosting, and it was an all-female lineup. Um, and oh, so cool. I was, I, I was in the green room early, um, before my show, and he like was just like, "Do you want to jump on and do a spot here?" And they had a much bigger crowd than my late show, so that was oh, cool nice. Jump on that. Um, so I ended up doing four spots over the weekend, um, which is Love cool. I, my next round, I think this will come out what next Monday, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. By the time this is out, yeah, my next round of the I'm I'm in the quarterfinals for the funniest person in Austin. That's next week. Yeah. Um, wow. So that's next week. But um, yeah, if this episode comes out and you happen to live in Austin, it is going to be tomorrow when you're listening to this. So can we like drop a link? Are you able to like vote through a link or anything or no? No, you have to be in the audience to vote. Yeah. So catch, you me, Austin, catch me flying down to Austin. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the, it's the last round that's audience voted. And so if you make it through here, then it goes to panels, but this oh, is the last audience voted round. So, um, I just wanted to make it one round and I did, so I'm happy, but amazing. Um, ho- hopefully it goes well, but yeah, that's next Tuesday on the 22nd. So Love um, that. I was just glad to have some extra spots in, um, before that. And I just got put on a last minute show for this Thursday with a really cool lineup. Um, so that gives me another like little practice round too. So that's just out here still doing all the things and barely sleeping, but I'm having a good time. So. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Love that. I'm so freaking proud of you. And just like, that's amazing. I wish I could be there in Austin, but you know, know. we're going to be together soon enough. Oh yeah. Okay. And our, uh, our previous guest slash friend, we've mentioned a lot. Chelsea is coming here for her birthday this weekend. So that's oh, fun, too. fun. Amazing. Love that. Yeah. So many fun things going on. I I have just been chilling for two weeks before the chaos comes. Doing that flush. Yep, doing that flush. (laughs) I leave for Cape May um, next Thursday. And then the weekend after, I have my best friend's wedding that I'm in. And then the weekend after, we leave for Denver for Kylie's birthday. So, so excited. Lots of travel. Lots of fun. That's a lot for you. 
it's a lot for me. I'm <laughs> glad that you're recognizing that. And I'm being very calm about it. Okay? You are. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I've gotten so much better at travel and just like not freaking out, just going with the flow, staying very neutral because we all know I'm a homebody. I am a very routine person, but it's so funny because it's like, I say that all the time, but I I'm traveling all the time now. So I think it's just a lie that I'm telling myself. These I, days. I did. I did think of you today because I got up this morning and I had the thought and I was just like, I would love to have a week where I'm not doing anything. And like, I almost never come to Indiana way. PA and we <laughs> can do nothing. Together. Well, I was just, I'm like so happy to have Chelsea here for her birthday. I can't wait to see her, but I'm just like, this is actually one of the only weekends I don't have booked with stuff like shows and things like that, other than her coming. And I was like, this is really, that's the only really room I had for breaks. Cause it's like with this stuff, I still have weeknight stuff and everything all the time. And similar mm-hmm. to you, it's like, once she leaves, I have like the contest and then I'm going to San Antonio for a show. And literally, literally I'm doing like a 9 PM spot in San Antonio and the next morning flying to Orlando. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in Orlando with my family. I get back for like four days and then we go to Denver. So I was just like looking at the month ahead and like, I never feel that way when I have stuff booked, you know, I'm usually like, Oh, cool. And I was just like, I want to just sleep for like now you're me now you're me (laughs) it took this much to get me here but I was feeling it I was like Kara this is must be that impending doom she feels even when she's excited (laughs) truly that's so funny so true but you guys we have a very special guest for y'all today a repeat guest and somebody that our audience loves so much we have Letitia Bates here with us so Letitia thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me back on I'm excited to be here Yes. Oh my gosh. Your episode did like so well the last time. And it just, we just got so many comments about how much it helped people and how much you help people and your content helps people as well. So we will definitely link that previous episode in the show notes. Mm -hmm. I think it was somewhere in the thirties, which is wild because we're above 100 now. Yeah. Yeah. I've sent, I've sent that episode to so many friends of mine that have had questions about PCOS or stuff with their cycles and things like that. So yeah, it's definitely been just like a great little vault of knowledge in our podcast. I'm so glad that it was helpful. For sure. Yeah. And Letitia, you've been through, it's crazy because since the last time we talked, it was two years ago and there have been a lot of changes that have happened. So, you know, for any new listeners here, kind of introduce yourself a little bit, tell us who you are. And then I would love to talk with you a little bit about, you know, your rebrand from that PCOS coach into the endocrine collective now, because a lot of people I think know you formally as that PCOS coach. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've held that title for several years now, but I don't know that it'll ever fully go away. Right. um, So, um, as you said, my name is Letitia. I am an award-winning PCOS coach, but I'm also a nurse and I am a future dietitian. I'm currently entering in my senior year in dietetics. So I'm excited excited about that. Um, But for roughly the last five years, I have been working with people living with PCOS on helping them, you know, improve their health habits so that they can accomplish their goals with PCOS and essentially, you know, reduce their symptoms and just get a good quality of life back. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the process of doing that, I have learned so much about the disparities in care. A lot of people, um, I'm sure you all hear this as well, you know, if they have PCOS, they're not getting help at their doctor's office, or they may be like me and lean on the fitness diet wellness industry and get led astray and are left in a worse situation than they entered in. Absolutely. And so um, I've really just been on a huge mission to 
fill those gaps in care and find ways of like, how am I going to be able to make the most impact and have less people in the world suffer from PCOS? So that's kind of where I'm at currently. (laughs) Love that. I love that so much. And I mean, I know that you do make such a huge impact. And I mean, we talked about this a lot on our previous podcast episode, all of the gaps in care. And I mean, it's something that I see. I work with many women with PCOS as well. And it's, it's really sad and it's very frustrating for so many women. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to have people out there who is an advocate, who are advocates for them and who they feel like, okay, I know that I can come to this person for reliable information. And I know that there is somebody out there who's fighting for me. That's so huge, you know? So You make mm-hmm. such a big difference in, in the PCOS <laughs> community, you. for sure. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the rebrand into the Endocrine mm-hmm. Collective and like kind of what's going on with that, because this is super exciting. Yeah. So I will say, um, you know, starting my curriculum to become a dietitian, I already came in knowing that I wanted to uh, be a private practice dietitian. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of people typically don't know until maybe their internship, like where they want to land in the dietetic realm. And there's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot yeah. of different directions that you can go. But I just, I knew at the end of the day, I was going to come back to working with PCOS people and helping them achieve their health goals. And um, over the last year or so I've really had to look at the end of my curriculum things get really busy and it was Mm -hmm. like okay for the next two years of my life what can I truly accommodate as far as like you know working with people with PCOS and creating content that can be helpful what does that look like and Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to go the blogging direction and I also wanted to create like an index of recipes and all of these things so that's kind of like where I was like all right I will stay on one main social media platform, which would be Instagram. And I mm-hmm. want to start blogging where I could do more like in-depth education because Instagram is kind of like, hey, I just need to get your attention for like three to five seconds. Yes. And then you go on about your day. But I still wanted to be able to like give you more. Absolutely. And I just felt like- felt like blogging was a thing for it. But um, so I knew that I was going to transition. Like I had this idea for Endocrine Collective. I knew once I become a dietitian that that was going to be my private practice. I went and snagged the domain. I grabbed all the social media. Like I'd Mm -hmm. already like was kind of like putting this in my back pocket. Yeah. And then um, my personal Facebook account got hacked. And I had no idea that your personal Facebook account, which I barely ever used, was so daggone bottle. <laughs> Unreal. And, yeah, now that Meta kind of like meshes everything together. Yeah. My, that it like connects to everything else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I had my Instagram, that PCOS coach. And at the time I had a, that PCOS coach business page connected in Meta. But you have to use your personal Facebook to be able mm-hmm. to log into that. And mm-hmm. I lost complete control over my personal Facebook. So even though I could still log into that PCOS coach on Instagram, I lost a lot of things. Like I no longer could access that business page. Um, I lost access to Endocrine Collective that I like went and snagged the Facebook page. Luckily I got that back, but um, it just, 
it locked me out a lot of things and meta with no help. <laughs> like, sorry, did you do working at meta? Did you have, you had the verified, right? Yeah. I bought it for a month because I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to buy it for a month and see if that gets me in front of like an actual person instead of like going through these loops. Yeah. Um, it didn't really help me the way I understood, um, the verification just, it was basically like, you know, if I, I don't know. Like if somebody started an Instagram account and tried to pretend that they were me. Yeah. It like verifies it to your audience that. Right. But that, the reason I was asking is because I've heard, because I have the verified and I've heard, I've heard that the like customer service is support be is way better. Yeah. yeah. I didn't get that thing. Like there was literally a chat. So like I, I did the chat and mm-hmm. you're on there for hours, you know, like waiting for someone and every, everything else. And oh, the conversation was going back and forth, back and forth. And then when they realized that they weren't or couldn't help me, they just ghosted. Like and every like, like 10 to 15 not minutes, I was you. like, hello, hello, are you there? Like, I'm literally paying for this service and you're just not yeah. going to help me or tell me like, you know, what else I could do. Um, luckily, one of my past clients works in like the marketing space and she works with Meta a lot for these large companies. And, um, you know, her advice was kind of like, hey, um, you know, unless you spend a lot of money on ads, Facebook doesn't tend to give you as much support and attention. And at that point in time, I was not spending any money on ads. So um, I... I'm doing some virtual work for a dietitian currently and I was kind of explaining everything to her and she encouraged me she was like you know what if you're going to start blogging and doing all these things like why not just go ahead and become the the endocrine collective like what your what your vision is and start building up you know that content under that new brand and once I got hacked and kind of realized like you're probably just gonna have to start a whole new account because what I tried to initially do, my Instagram had, you know, 30 plus thousand followers. I've been building that for nine years. Oh and, my God. That um, like just gives yeah. me a pit to my core. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So I changed that. I went from that PCOS coach to Endocrine Collective because I didn't want to start at the bottom. And some of your business gurus will tell you, don't start at the bottom. Keep your audience. Just rebrand, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Well, that account was connected to a commerce account within Meta Business that has to be accessed with that old personal Facebook account. So at the end of the day, maybe in two years when the practice is like fully open and I'm doing everything I want and I want to run ads, I wouldn't be able to. So, and I couldn't mm-hmm. connect it to like third parties. Like I couldn't connect it to Canva. There were certain plugins on WordPress that I couldn't connect it to because I didn't have that personal Facebook account anymore. Oh and my gosh. so then it was like, instead of, I went two months back and forth, back and forth with Meta. And it was like, okay, I just need to start over, right? Like I just yeah. need to just start a whole new um, account. And so that just really like the universe just said, you know what, you're going to push into this new brand. Yeah. Like it or not now. Um, I'm glad to be on the other side of it. But for that's sure, the different collective like was born before I wanted it to. Um, we had a little <laughs> bit of a preterm birth there. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm so happy that you know I'm happy I'm here. I've, I've gotten a lot of great feedback, and what I've just been sharing with everyone, like of course, like I'm still doing uh, limited PCOS coaching while I finish my curriculum. I am a full time dietetic student, but 
Once I become a dietitian and my goal for Endocrine Collective is not to just be a private practice dietitian on my own. I can't fill in these gaps in PCOS care just by myself. And so I want to bring on a team of health coaches that I can train specifically in PCOS. I want to bring on other dietitians that have, um, you know, maybe it's not just PCOS will always be my bread and butter. But I want to help people with thyroid conditions, you know, um, postmenopause, even diabetes, regardless if you have PCOS or not. And um, just different providers, like we may not be able to do a pelvic ultrasound over a virtual meeting, but we can fill in a lot of your gaps. We can, you know, give you tailored care, be there for you, give you support, give you resources, you know, help you with your medications, your labs, your, you know, dietary and supplements, like the whole big picture absolutely I on international (laughs) like let's like get it here and then let's figure out how we can do this in other areas of the world um because you know there's just like in in the I've worked with a lot of clients in the UK and things are just Mm -hmm. drastically different in these other areas so different Canada for instance our healthcare system drastically different from just us you know downstairs in in the U.S. so you know it's it's not just building this practice up to like help people here it's like how can I give some of the same kind of care in other countries so that people know that there's somewhere that they can go that can either be a complement to what they're currently getting or fill the gaps of what they're not getting yeah that is so absolutely incredible and I mean we talk all the time about how you know an interdisciplinary approach to PCOS is so important and having that interdisciplinary approach whenever it comes to having an RD, having, you know, a mental health professional, an endocrinologist, whatever it may be, all of these people in your care and, you know, you building out this team of like these different healthcare professionals and health coaches, dietitians, people who can help with not only PCOS, but all of these other Mm -hmm. issues as well. Like that is so huge. So I'm, I'm super excited for you. I know it was kind of born out of chaos, but (laughs) it's going to turn into something amazing. Like I know it is. Sometimes the best things are. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I know. Right. Like that's, I mean, I feel like that's just my life. I should have expected something like that to happen. I just, you know, in my mind, I was like, I probably won't like start it until my internship, like until I'm getting really, really close. And then yeah. it was like, no, you're, you're just going to do it now. Yeah. Um, the universe but, said I mean, now. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I learned a valuable lesson. I mean, it really, you know, as someone, um, you know, I think a lot of times people forget that we are small business owners, like, you know, yeah. we run our own business and everything else. And uh, regardless of what business that you're running, uh, social media does play a big role in our marketing and getting our story out and, you know, reaching people that may need our help. It does. And I do think that this experience just really brought home to me of like, okay, like social media is not guaranteed to be there tomorrow. So it's also mm-hmm. kind of helped me think outside of the box of like, all right, if, if you know, social media crashed tomorrow, how can I help people? So like, that's mm-hmm. one good thing yeah. that also came about. Cause I think I, I think I look at my business totally different now than what I did before. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I think it's so important to have those different avenues where we can mm-hmm. reach a bigger audience and where we really can, you know, not even a bigger audience, but like just have multiple avenues where our audience can find us outside of right. social media as well. Like right. that's why, you know, 
a website, a blog, email list, like all of those things are so important. Podcast, yeah. Podcast, mm-hmm. yep. So because you just never, yeah. you just never know. And so, um, you know, while like I don't have the capacity to do a lot of things just yet, but it's like okay, like when that capacity opens up, like. I really need to be able to tackle these other areas so that, you know, if my Instagram goes down again, I can still help people. And what does that look like? Because we're not going around with flyers anymore. You know, like yeah. that's not the thing. Like people aren't passing out business cards and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. It's, know, it's like, it's, how do we do this in a technical world, but also yeah. understand that it may not be there tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, that's like, it's like a scary part. I mean, I think about that when I was coaching and that was always something, you know, why they encouraged us to have like platforms like a podcast or email or things that you can own, like right own media. But it's just like, it, it is crazy because it's like those things, like whenever your main platform and way you do communicate with people goes away, mm-hmm. it's like, it's very scary. And I mean, I even think about that with like comedy is like an in-person thing. And I actually was like, it's very in different scenes are different, but in Austin, it's very Instagram brand so like even like that's how I get like people like book you via Instagram like all of yeah. that stuff like there's no there's nobody like emailing or doing any of that right and so it's mm-hmm. like I, I'm always like if my account gets hacked I'm like what do I do yeah <laughs> well I, I was literally just thinking about that in your case because you know that I've noticed that's typically how you know comedians get noticed now mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. not yeah yeah I don't, I don't obviously not in the comedian space so I've assumed before it was a lot of word of mouth and just yeah you know going gig after gig and just trying and fighting and clawing your way in where if you have enough like really good viral clips now you're going to get noticed a lot faster on social yeah. media but what happens what happens if you build that up and um, you know, I think every platform is a little different. I feel like some mm-hmm. platforms are, you're more likely to like have, um, what do they call it? Like where people mimic your account, pretend like they're, they're you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, know I don't know what those accounts are called, but like where they just, you know, so I could see where you really do have to think about what does this presence look like? What do I do if it goes awry? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like what, how can I continue yeah. doing what I want to do? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. We're all kind of become like, I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's interesting too. Cause you don't like think about, like you said, where it's like, if you lose Facebook, you might be like, Oh, well, I don't really care about Facebook, but like it's connected That's to everything. How I I mean, initially. Yeah. There's like a million websites that I log into that they're like log in with Facebook and you yeah. connected it yeah. that way. Like it's, it's and kind I of crazy. Wonder, you know, I don't know, like obviously social media platforms have been on, you know, the news and or like mm-hmm. who knows what is going to happen. Is it going to get worse? Is it going to get better? Yeah. And, you know, like that was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe this was a blessing in disguise. I didn't really use my, the only reason why I even used Facebook was because like uh, locally, my our school system, like the teachers and stuff will use like Facebook groups for your kids class and stuff like that. So that's the only reason why I was hanging on to it. Yeah. I just had no idea. And then you're forced to like, you know, I wanted to do a new business page. I wanted to get meta connected. So, you know, I could run ads and all this other stuff eventually. And you're like forced to have uh, a personal Facebook page. Yep. Absolutely. No, yep. now yep. I'm like going back and thinking like, cause I mean, right. I use my personal Facebook group fa- page and like, I have a Facebook group with over a thousand members that like I yep. love, and that's a huge hub for my clients and potential clients as well. Mm-hmm. And my personal Facebook is linked through like my old AIM account that I don't even use anymore. I'm like, I better <laughs> update (laughs) yeah I I would say definitely like you know what I do now I make sure everything is two-step authorized um yeah and um someone shared a really good tip with me and I've seen this tip in other places so it must be pretty well known because it works really good Mm -hmm. but in your passwords you know tell a story in like three words 
So, you know, like do something, you know, I don't know, like, um, you know, I love comedy or something like that. Like tell a story in three words instead of, you know, like your birthday or your child's name, but you know, like some of those like typical pet name stuff that we use, um, tell, tell a story in three words that's personal to you. And those are a lot harder to hack. So, wow. um, So when it does come to social media, I am a lot more mindful. I, I keep a spreadsheet of what all I have, what is connected to what, and like yes. what the like, which the spreadsheet may get hacked one day too. I don't know, but it's like I'm trying so hard to like make sure I have this where it doesn't happen again. But if it if it does, my website will be there. My, yes. my blogs will be there. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Exactly. This is, a, this is a social media podcast now. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Yeah, for anybody who needs like the hacks and the tips, the first half of this podcast, we got you, man. Yes, so yes. that's <laughs> amazing. About PCOS now. <laughs> yeah, but and I was I mean, like, have a nice day. No. <laughs> yeah. I know. I love it though. And I, I'm really no, excited for yeah, for that rebrand for you for sure. So sure. yeah, you, I mean yes, congrats. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. And I mean, some of the things that we wanted to dive into today, you know, we I feel like we you know, there's so much to talk about whenever it comes to PCOS, right? And like, mm-hmm. we really did dive into kind of like what PCOS is and, you know, kind of like some of those popular quote unquote drivers and like some of the yeah. basics to look at whenever we're focusing on, you know, nutrition, lifestyle, all those kinds of things. But I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into some specific, like really specific questions that I get asked a lot whenever it comes to PCOS um, and things that people are wondering. And one of the biggest things is how do I handle my doctor's appointments as somebody Mm -hmm. with PCOS or somebody who suspects that they have PCOS and what labs would be best to order? And like, how do I prepare myself for doctor's appointments? Yeah. Yeah. Because I find that, I mean, I kind of give my clients a checklist Mm -hmm. going in of like all of the things that, you know, they should look for and ask for and everything. But I thought it would be really helpful to hear from you, you know, somebody who works with this so much. Yeah, and it is, is doctor's appointments are, well, a lot of people with PCOS are going to avoid care because of these horrible experiences they have. And it's outside of PCOS too. Mm -hmm, Um, You mm -hmm. know, it it happens a lot. Um, One thing that I recommend the most is don't show up at these doctor's appointments and kind of expect the doctor to take the lead and do everything that you want. Um, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. like, especially here in in the state, they are seeing, you know, multiple people, it is a revolving door of patients in patients out. Mm -hmm. And so the most prepared that you can be for that appointment, I think that it'll go better for you. And so what I mean by being prepared, one, you know, educate yourself as much as you can about PCOS. Mm -hmm. And then like, have like your established, like, what are you trying to get accomplished? Yes, with this with this appointment, um, you know, is it you're requesting lab work, you're requesting medication considerations, um, mm-hmm. you know, are you talking birth control? Are you addressing fertility? Like what it is, and let's focus on that first and foremost. And then um, I I'll even use myself as an example because I will say a lot of times people with PCOS are going to have to go through multiple doctors. So at the end of the day, if they're not helping you in the way that you need you are going to have to get a second, third, fourth, however many opinions you need until somebody finally listens to you and helps you. And that is so frustrating. It is exhausting. It can be financially draining. Absolutely. 
all I know to say is like, you're worth that fight. If you can mm-hmm. just dig in and get the strength to fight until you find someone to do that. But yeah. um, one of my, it was my OBGYN appointment. I came in, did, did that, you know, I, you know, know enough about PCOS to know what I was dealing with, what I'm asking for. I had my goals in mind. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, you know, you do all of your demographics and your health history with the office or maybe the nurse there. But when the provider came in, one, I thank them for their time and for meeting me. Um, yeah. So I just start off on a very respectful and generous uh, foot. You know, thank you for taking the time to meet me. Mm-hmm. Um, then I explained to them um, in my position, I was like, look, I'm not your average PCOS patient. You know, this is my, you know, the world that I, I work in and, and I'm an advocate and everything else. But I did organize everything for you. And I gave the provider a folder of all the recent labs, what my mm-hmm. current medications and supplements were and what I was currently doing and what I needed help with. Like I had all of that in a folder, whether they looked at it or not, at least like, Hey, you have all of this information here and it's for them to keep, you know, whatever. Um, and just made those requests. And so this is where things tend to go a little bit awry. So for instance, you know, if we're going in and we're asking for lab work, the provider may say, you know, something along the lines of like, well, you know, I'm not going to run all of that yep. or um, you don't need all of these labs or, you know, some, something like that. They, they may give you a little bit of a, a kickback. And mm-hmm. I would just always ask that provider, if they're not giving you the answer, like they're not doing what you're requesting, have them explain why. Like, okay, why would you not run those labs? Right. So that you can have a back and forth kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if they're rude and blunt and be like, because I'm just not going to, then let's go get another opinion. You're not going to go anywhere with this provider. But yeah. I, I do think the most that you can empower yourself with knowledge, you go in with a plan, you be obviously courteous and respectful from the jump, and you just say, you know, hey, and it, it's okay because I actually did this. And, and let me tell you, even in my position, my voice was shaking when yeah. I said this. Yeah. <laughs> But I remember telling my provider, I said, um, yeah, I've been through a lot of doctors before I came to you. And I'm just asking for you to be the one to not dismiss me. And I get a little emotional just thinking about it. Like, I said that to to her. And I think that's when she just like, she kind of just, she's just, she stopped and she perked up and she really listened um, at that point. Maybe I just got lucky, but it's okay to say those things. Yeah. I mean, you're essentially hiring them for a service. We would say these things to other people that were hiring for services, you know? And I think that's kind of bringing them back into reality as well. You know, so many doctors all day long are going through the motions. They're seeing patient after patient after patient. And if you Mm. are that one patient to say, I am really hoping that you don't dismiss me and that you hear me out and listen to my concerns as somebody with PCOS or whatever may have you, that is going to kind of bring them to attention and realize and make them realize that, you know, you are a bit different than other patients that they're seeing because not many patients are going to have the confidence to speak Mm -hmm. up about that, which is also another kind of sad thing, right? That we yeah, feel so yeah. scared. And it, I mean, it's so easy to do because a lot of times you're like, you're, you're shot down, you're dismissed and things like that. So it's hard fake the confidence. Like I'm like, I'm telling you, yeah. even in my position, it was like, I still 
struggled with getting that out, but just try, even if your voice shakes and your eyes tear up, just, just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. you're fighting for your health at this point. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I do want to kind of like yeah. role play a couple of like really common scenarios. Like what I hear a lot and, and I'm sure you have as well is, um, like one of the examples may be like, we'll, uh, lose weight first and then we'll talk about things mm-hmm. or, you know, I, I just need you to lose weight or something like that. So it, it'll, it'll come, that'll come up a lot. Um, if that were the case, what I would suggest at that point is you can say, okay, maybe you've already been working on, uh, weight management and you've lost weight, educate them on that. Like, Hey, or maybe you're currently doing a lot of lifestyle changes. Like, Hey, I am, you know, working on my nutrition. I am becoming more active. I'm managing my stress. I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to get more sleep, like let them know what you are currently doing. And then you could say, because I'm already doing all of these things, what would you suggest that we could also do or that I could add to it to help me achieve X, Y, Z or mm-hmm. whatever your goal is um, and see what they and see what they say. And then if the results still come back to, I just need you to lose weight before we address this any further, then I want you to ask them what their treatment plan would be if you were the goal weight that they're suggesting. Mm. So if they say, hey, I need you to lose 50 pounds, then I want you to ask, even if your voice shakes, if I lost those 50 pounds and I still have the problems I'm coming in with today, what are our options? Yeah. And see great. what that answer is. Because the odds are, most of the time, that option is available to you now. And yeah, then you, yeah. could, you could talk about it. Um, and the extreme case, like in lab work, for example, if they just absolutely refuse, request that they chart that you asked for those labs and you requested them and that they refused. Mm-hmm, they yep. may, you know, get frustrated with you, but they also may tell the nurse to come in and draw those labs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not, I mean, like, obviously you're not there to like, you know, ruffle feathers and, and uh, create, you know, an enemy, but you're also not there to like be friends and, and such either. You know, yeah. I think that coming in being respectful and I think a lot of times yeah. we already come in, like, I know they're going to dismiss me. So we kind of have like a chip on our shoulder to begin with. Yeah. I don't know, I've been there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, come in with respectful, come in educated with a plan, fake the confidence, ask for what you need, depending on what that goal looks like, and then add to the conversation when needed, you know, like educate them like, hey, I'm already currently doing this. I'm, um, you know, I have accomplished X, Y, and Z. What other options are there? You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's like yeah. so important because so many people are scared to speak up for themselves. And like, if you just even logically break it down, it's like, you are, you are paying for this service and it is your body. Like it's, it's, it's honestly so upsetting how many people have been made to feel like they can't like ask for specific things when it's like their own health and their money or insurance that is paying for the health. Like if you really break it down, it's like, and I've had to just simply saying that to a lot of clients that I used to have, they'd be like, Oh yeah. It's like, you forget because like, like doctors are like in this like authority position, but like you're Mm -hmm. the, the paying customer, like essentially unfortunately yeah. healthcare is a business like, yeah. and you're the paying customer. Like it's very, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like, there is that concept I feel like in business where we all are like, Oh, the customer's always right. And we're not afraid. You know, I guess some people are, but like, you know, you're not afraid to like be like, Oh, I want this, or I'm looking for this product. Like it's really the same. And this is honestly the, the highest stake version of this, right? This is your health. So, yeah. um, I, I love that you're that- kind of walking through these scenarios for people. Yeah. And because it happens every day. And I think what was like a pivotal moment for me is, um, it was like, I don't remember if we talked about my story on the previous podcast episode, we did. but like 
when whenever I was my thickest with PCOS, like literally every system in my body was awry and I was just miserable. And I go to you know the doctor that diagnosed me. I had just recently lost a hundred pounds. I just competed in bodybuilding. I, you know, am at my leanest physique. So diet and exercise was not going to be the answer for me. Right. But it was just kind of surreal. Like now looking back, I'm like, wow, like I was a nurse. So I have health education, formal health education. Mm -hmm. I've been working as a nurse for several years at that point in time. I had done all the things that I had known at that time to like manage my PCOS. I've lost a hundred pounds and I still got dismissed and laughed at when I requested labs yep. and like all of these things. And it's just like, man, like if that was going to happen to me, I can only imagine what is happening to the majority of people in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. as well. It's like when we're going into these appointments. So I, I empathize entirely. Um, Absolutely. That fear of these appointments and feeling like you're not getting anywhere. And um, I think I avoided a provider for like two years after that because I just I was so traumatized, yeah. even though I was at that point already helping people with PCOS and like knowing that I needed to go back to the doctor mm-hmm. and all these things like it, it took me some time but I think yeah. once you can empower yourself really get in tune with what your goals are what you're trying to accomplish go into that appointment very prepared stand your ground speak for yourself even when your voice shakes you're probably going to get a much better result and then if you don't you know pick yourself up and let's make an appointment with someone new absolutely yeah. and I think also touching on the fact that you know going into your doctor's appointments is so going into your doctor's appointments prepared is so crucial because Mm -hmm. you have a list of all of the things that you have already been putting in the work toward. And Mm -hmm. so many times, whenever we go into our doctor's appointments or whenever people with PCOS go into their doctor's appointments, like you said, they are told to just lose weight, just lose weight. And it's mm-hmm. like the doctor doesn't even ask up front, well, what have you done for nutrition? Right. What have you done for exercise? They are just simply assuming that that person is not doing anything and they just right. need to lose weight. And if you're prepared and you have that confidence and say, listen, I've been doing XYZ, I've been really focusing on nutrition and strength training and managing my stress and sleep and everything like that, then you give them that pushback to mm-hmm. make them think a little bit, you know, and yeah. let's talk about some other methods of treatment because it's not always just weight loss. So that mm-hmm. is huge for sure. Yeah. It is. It is. People with PCOS, I say this all the time and it still rings true. Like they're the hardest workers in the room. And so Mm -hmm. I get so annoyed when doctors or personal trainers or health coaches like immediately think that putting you on a low calorie diet and bumping up your, you know, fitness frequency or intensity is going to be the answer. And it's interesting when you look at the research, um, when we see research that's kind of focused around body weight and we see improvement like fertility for example like you know like five to ten percent of your body weight um and weight loss can improve your fertility but is it necessarily the weight loss or is it the habit that led to the weight loss like right. eating more fiber getting more sleep mm-hmm. you, know, you know depending on uh what your lifestyle is some people need to increase movement some people need to decrease movement you know things like that so it's still like an arguable thing too of like is it really the weight or is it the things that like lead up to managing it and then you're also looking at a condition where the symptom of the condition is weight gain is weight gain unexplained weight gain or inability to yeah. lose weight and things like that so always like it's so funny because we don't look at 
you know, cardiovascular disease and say, Hey, your blood pressure is good. Now you're, you're fine. Go on. Like everything's great. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So huge. Oh my gosh. So huge. So I would love for you to even just kind of give us a list of some of the basic labs that somebody should ask for whenever they're going into their doctor with PCOS. Okay. Yeah. Good, good question. So I always recommend at least on a yearly basis. Um, but if your insurance will cover it, or if you have the means to get labs done on a, a twice a year, mm-hmm. um, annually, you'll be able, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, when you go in, there are a lot of different things and some things you may need, you may not, depending on what your particular case is. Uh, first thing is I would definitely recommend like a really comprehensive uh, sex hormone panel. So you're looking at estrogen, progesterone, uh, free and total testosterone, mm-hmm. LH, FSH, um, even your like androgen hormones. So testosterone is not the only androgen. Um, so DHEAS and uh, DHT, like those are a really, really big comprehensive, um, you know, sex hormone panel, even sex, yeah. sex hormone binding globulin. Like um, the one of the recent times that I had lab work, the nurse didn't even know what that was. And I'm like, it is so vital because I can kind of see like what androgens, like how much of that is like really just floating around and getting used by my body regardless yeah. of what the testosterone level is. So mm-hmm. like a really good comprehensive sex hormone panel. And then I would recommend a comprehensive thyroid panel, not just a TSH. Um, you want to get the whole look at the thyroid. Um, that way, you know, if it's good, you may just get by with just like, hey, on an annual checkup and you don't have to do it, you know, twice a year, but I would recommend that. And there's some other panels that you're going to want to add as well. So uh, liver function tests, people with PCOS are more likely to have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So Mm -hmm. I would Mm -hmm. uh, talk to your provider about that. And then you want to talk to them about a lipid panel. So we can look at your triglycerides, your good and bad, quote unquote, uh, cholesterol, because um, having PCOS puts you at greater risk for cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. And then um, there may be some nutrient uh, deficiencies that you may want to look for, vitamin uh, D, vitamin B12. A lot of people don't realize if they're on metformin uh, long-term, which is a common medication for PCOS, it could deplete b12 yeah um i've also seen like where it's helpful to to look at your like omega-3 fatty acids and things like that yeah as well um c-reactive uh protein to look for inflammation markers and then am i missing anything um obviously if anyone has like if you can send them my way or you probably have a list as well but yeah a lot of comprehensive blood work typically um like if you have good healthcare coverage you should be able to get like a, a complete blood count also known as a cbc or maybe a, a like a basic metabolic panel bmp usually mm-hmm. your providers will that's like that's like yeah the, the c yeah like yes. so you would get that on top of some of that which is good because it'll look at like um you'll like a1c like, glucose yeah, yeah. fasting oh, insulin the one, the one. so like yeah blood sugar that's a big one i don't know how mm-hmm. i get past there's that so, so many <laughs> yeah like your a1c looking in um insulin is a big component with pcos for a lot of people like the majority of people with pcos are mm-hmm. dealing with glucose um issues and i find um, it hard for people to get that covered by their insurance though like yeah, normally yeah, we're going well, out of pocket for fasting insulin. i think a lot of it too is because um 
like we don't have like a specific test to say, hey, you're negative or positive for insulin resistance. You kind of mm-hmm. have to look at like all of these different angles. Right. And an A1C, for instance, like you can have a good A1C and still have insulin resistance. And A1C gives an average of what your glucose looks like over the mm-hmm. past like three or so months. Um, but you can also ask for... Um, You can also ask for a fasting insulin and glucose, and then your provider can kind of like do a ratio to see if that looks like you're more insulin resistant. And if you're pregnant, they're going to do an oral glucose tolerance test about halfway through anyway to to detect gestational diabetes. But a lot of people don't realize you can ask for an oral glucose tolerance test, even if you're not pregnant. At any time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that can kind of see. And then... You know, like if they're not doing that, um, you know, if they're not getting coverage, if the, if the provider is not ordering that lab, um, like you said, like they may have to do it out of pocket. Another thing that could be helpful is just monitoring your glucose at home. Like you can yep, get, that's a what kit I suggest. For, you know, what, like $20, $30 and you can do a fasted blood sugar to see what that looks like on a routine basis, which is 30 minutes from the time that you wake up before you eat or drink anything. And then at least once a week, do every two hours after you eat something and kind of see like, if your blood sugar is staying high, is it dropping down like reactively and and now Mm -hmm. going low? Because those are all signs of, you know, the insulin resistance. um, You could also have that even if your labs look good, it can like just be like under the radar, like absolutely suboptimal thyroid. So I also like to take into consideration, like, are you having skin tags? Are you, do you have the darkening? Dark the patches, skin? yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, how is your energy levels? Do you mm-hmm. have, um, you know, like abdominal weight gain specifically? Do you have, you know, obviously like androgens? Like those are a bunch of different things. And the insulin really kicks off like your lipid panel, your, your sex hormones. It impacts so much. So it's really frustrating that those aren't always covered. Yeah. And the, and the mm-hmm. beautiful thing about it is, and I'm sure Letitia too, um, like you have access to something like this or, you know, you will obviously as an RD. I mean, I know so many also health coaches out there who have access to kind of like those out-of-pocket labs. Yeah. Like I order yeah. all of my lab work through um, Avexia where I get like a mm-hmm. really big discount for clients. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, awesome. I think they they said, somebody told me they just raised, raised the Dutch price to like something crazy. It's like $500, $600 now, I think. And I'm like, I'm getting them for like 300 bucks for my clients. So I'm like, which is nice, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's pricey, you know? And so that's why it's also really important to be able to work with a provider who can mm-hmm. actually assess if you really need something like this. Right. right? Because right. like, we should not just be doing testing just to test. Right. Cause we can yeah, waste a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. I always tell my clients, I'm like, let's obviously first get what insurance will cover. So let's do that first. So if there's something that, you know, your insurance is not going to cover, if you go ahead and get that done, and I've seen this happen to people, if you go ahead and get that done, and whoever, you know, their lab is, they're going to charge you big money for those like additional out-of-pocket labs. So like I've seen people have two, $3,000 lab bills because their insurance wouldn't cover stuff. And it was like, if we would have known, I could get those for you for a hundred bucks or a couple, you know, depending on what it is, you know? And so, um, yeah, that is a good thing. And, you know, like maybe that also um, just like a little blurb of understanding that PCOS is we talk about it being like multiple uh, multidisciplinary um of course there are things that you have to get from a medical doctor or a specialist doctor 
But um, having PCOS often requires a team of people and that can look like doctors and non-doctors alike. So depending on what your goal is and what you're needing addressed, there may be people like dietitians or nurse practitioners are amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there may be alternatives out there that you're not considering that can actually help you manage your PCOS. And you may need a, a group of people. to to do that. Mm -hmm. Great point. Great point for sure. So switching gears a little bit, a very common question that I get asked, and I kind of want to dive into this one is, you know, a lot of obviously women with PCOS have a difficult time getting pregnant and with fertility, Mm -hmm. right? And so we know that, you know, one of the common um, medications for PCOS that's given is birth control, right? And Mm -hmm. we definitely Mm -hmm. talked a good bit about birth control on our first episode as yeah. well and how it's like, it can absolutely be a bi- viable option. Right. But it does not fix the root cause mm-hmm. of PCOS. Right. It's not, you know, it's kind of just masking things here, but one, I would love for you to talk a little bit about kind of the nuances around like using birth control and metformin and also combining them with more natural approaches. And also how early do you suggest somebody comes off of hormonal birth control before they start trying to get pregnant, because I think, yeah, yeah, I think this is a really, really um, confusing thing for a lot of women, because especially women with PCOS or people with PCOS who have gotten on birth control to kind of, you know, mitigate some of their symptoms, we can start to see a lot of their symptoms come back whenever Mm -hmm. we come off. Right. And so we're working to deal or to fix those before getting pregnant. Right. Right. Yeah. That's such a, um, you know, I think the reason why it's confusing is because like there isn't a straightforward answer to like right. mm-hmm. to this, this kind of question. Mm-hmm. And yeah. of course you're going to have different professionals that are going to have different opinions. Um, you know, there are going to be some people that say like, Oh, you can start trying as soon as you come off birth control. And then there's going to be people like with PCOS, sometimes you don't even know until you, like, if you were put on birth control in your teens, yeah, like now you have no idea what your cycle is. You, yeah, you be have like. no idea. And then we also have yeah. this like possibility that you may not have like true PCOS. It's just that you are having these like mimicking symptoms of PCOS that are going to resolve hopefully in a matter of months after mm-hmm. you come off birth control. Yeah. So what I always suggest is if you're on birth control and it, going back to that, like how long are you on it? Like, you know, what what does all of this stuff look like? What are you currently doing? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things to consider. But I always suggest, like, if you know that you're wanting to have the conversation, like, I want to come off birth control and I want to start working on fertility, I think the best thing you can do is start, like, supporting your body for fertility while you're still on birth control. So when you come off, hopefully the transition is going to be a lot easier and maybe it'll be a lot quicker. Um, so, and what I like mean by that, like, obviously let's start with those like lifestyles, like with your diet, um, go ahead and start looking at like, how can I increase my fiber intake? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're a big bread meat eater, you know, for fertility, you want to consider cutting that down some, maybe Mm -hmm. you start looking at swapping some of your protein sources for plant-based options, like beans and legumes Mm -hmm. and eating more, um, like, uh, fatty fish, avocados, nuts, seeds, like start doing some of that stuff because even though birth control is like kind of like overriding some of your sex hormones, like you can really support a lot uh, and get a lot of those good nutrients that you're going to need during pregnancy. Um, Mm -hmm. I think another big one is go ahead and start taking like your prenatal. um, So that way you have all of that 
uh, good vitamins and stuff in there, especially if you're not able to get everything in your diet. And I was then, also just turned on to Theralogic's prenatal as well. And I know that you are a provider with them as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I oh, love cool. their prenatal. So that's, yeah, that's yeah. a great. They I'm, have, I'm, it's, it's amazing because they have is. one for preconception mm-hmm. and, um, and then you can have, you could take one like during and, uh, during pregnancy and so on. And also love that they have, um, for male fertility support. Like they have some things that can help in that. It's yeah, like, so there's a lot cool. of different options there. For sure. Yeah. Love that. I just yeah. had to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess like my biggest suggestion would be like, how can we support your body? Um, one of the things that I use a lot when I'm working with clients or just addressing PCOS is I like to consider creating a safe environment. Regardless of what your goal is, if it's fertility, you especially want to create a safe environment in your body and get your body in this place where it's like, yeah, I could totally conceive right now. You know, what does that look like? It's going to be different for everyone. Nutrition, lifestyle, getting your stress down. Um, you know, obviously I think everybody knows this. I'm not going to preach on it, but like if you're drinking and smoking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whether it's tobacco or recreational drugs and stuff like that, like, let's go ahead and start, you know, taking that out. And, um, if you're taking in a lot of added sugar, start reducing that your transition off of birth control is going to be so much better. And I think you're For not sure. as likely to have as many of those, um, like post pill kind of symptoms and Mm. then I would suggest in three to four months after you come off birth control go back and see your provider and get your labs done to see where you're at and then that can kind of lay the blueprint on you know do we are we getting progesterone up enough so that we can have ovulation and or if we you know will it stay up so that we can have sure. a viable pregnancy, like that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. That would be my biggest suggestion in in that case. And then what was the other question? Just kind of like the nuances around, you of know, like, of like, of using birth control and metformin and, you know, just kind of even, because I feel like there's a lot of, what do I want to say? Like, not hatred, but I guess like negativity toward these things as, mm-hmm as you know, methods of like mitigating PCOS symptoms and everything like that. And like, we know that, you know, of course, it's not a magic fix, right. But again, Mm -hmm. like, this might be a viable option for somebody, but it's also just important to be educated on these things about it it is so it's so interesting. My stance, I'm always like, um, like, I try to look at all angles of things. And, um, you know, my start in healthcare was on the conventional Western medicine side. And then I also have training in the functional medicine side. Yeah. And I've used both even in my personal journey. And, and I don't feel like one is better than the other. I just feel like true holistic care is taking all the pieces of the tools available to you to absolutely. use them to give you the best outcome. Like, absolutely. I think like holistic gets synonymously put in the box of like integrative, functional, right. natural, yeah. like, and it's like, is that truly holistic? Because, um, I've been in both of those fields and they use the same tactics. They just have different labels. Um, yeah. so I'm just going to say that, like, I think that if you truly want to go natural, there are some things that we can do, but I think that that does a disservice to the PCOS community as a whole, because I think it kind of gives this idea that if you can't do things naturally, then you failed if you need a medication. Absolutely. And, yeah. um, I try to be mindful of people's like special circumstances too. Like for instance, metformin being a common insulin sensitizing drug that is used in PCOS, it does have a bad reputation because it can cause some gastric upset. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there are alternatives, natural alternatives, like a nosotol supplement, berberine supplement, 
But you're looking at paying 20 to 30 plus dollars a month for a supplement that's not governed by the FDA. So unless you're getting it from a good quality source, we don't really know exactly what's going on there. Or if you don't have the finances to do that, someone could potentially get their metformin for free or like five bucks a month. You right. know, another common one is spironolactone. It's an mm-hmm. anti-androgenic drug used in PCOS a lot of times. So it helps like lower your androgen. I know people that, you know, they can't afford, you know, $30, $40 a month of like uh, saw palmetto or something like yeah, that where right. spironolactone, and sometimes the medications may get you relief quicker. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like supplements sometimes take about three to six months to like. Yeah. Like if we're know, really dealing with these bad issues and somebody is seriously, like their quality of life is so heavily impacted, like medication may be a route that we need to go. Right. Yeah. And that's the same thing like with birth control. Like if you, if you're dealing like with, you know, heavy periods, like maybe there's an estrogen issue or something going on, like to give you some immediate relief, like maybe that's a, something to consider. And then you could work on the things that, you know, can support what is actually going on. So hopefully you can come off of it and, and so on. Um, but there are ways that you could do both. And I know a lot of people, sometimes you have to combine um, both medications and like natural supplements and yep. so on. So there are a lot of different things and I'll just run through like birth control is the, probably the most common medication because it usually um, kind of puts a bandaid on PCOS. If you're having, you know, uh, period problems, it typically can help with that. It also does a pretty good job of lowering androgen. So if you're having like facial hair or you're losing the hair on your head or acne, sometimes it can be really helpful for, for that. So um, those, those are some good things about birth control. Metformin is typically suggested so it can help you with insulin resistance and it can improve your insulin. So that can, you know, kickstart improving ovulation, reducing your androgens and so on. And then spironolactone is probably the most common with reducing androgens if that's a big issue. So those are three right. really common medications. Um I, I, I know like, uh, Clomid and, um, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, just like skipped my mind. Uh, Letrozole? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's yep. actually like the recent, the, the 2023, like international evidence-based guidelines for managing PCOS, um, just released. And that's what they were, um, explaining that it's the best first line treatment option for Interesting. fertility with PCOS. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the medications on supplements. Um, my probably all time favorite supplement um is going to be a nosotol um it does it does it does the best it it checks all the all the boxes all the freaking boxes it does so many things yeah but I will say I think it just depends on the person like me particularly it took me like four to six months to notice like it started to get a regular period Mm -hmm. and you have to keep doing it every day you know um berberine is a good alternative to metformin um, saw palmetto is a good alternative to spironolactone, but there's yeah. still like so many other things like melatonin, uh, vitamin D, obviously, mm-hmm. um, there is, um, magnesium. There's, there's a lot of things out there. What mm-hmm. I find the most, especially in supplements, supplements are so trendy. Like if I just did supplements, so trendy. my job would probably be so easy. Oh, <laughs> so easy. So easy. We'd probably be making way more money than we yeah, do. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Everybody loves the stuff. They're so sexy and they're just easy to sell and everybody wants one. And um, the marketing is just really easy to do. What I feel like people fall in the trap of is because 
PCOS affects so many different things and there are a lot of nutrients and things that we can take to like help improve them. Mm -hmm. They just, these things get marketed as like, oh, this is for PCOS. And so people like I've had clients come to me on like 20 different things. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. Like you don't need all of this. You know, yeah. like you don't, you don't have to have all of this. Um, it's, it's, no. probably, it's just draining your, your bank account. So that would be like a big thing. It's like, don't fall in that trap of just because it's being marketed. Um, and some of the marketing is really slick. There's a, there's a, a newer one that I've seen that's trying to claim that it's like all in one, like it has everything that you need. Mm. And I was like, man, that's going to be a huge pill because there's so many things. Absolutely. Like I just named a yeah. lot of things. Yeah. And then I go and I look at the ingredients and I'm like, well, you don't have this. You don't have that. You don't have this. So like, yep. how can you say that this is the all in one? Absolutely. You, you know, so just be really careful. Um, that's why you should always talk to your healthcare professionals. You know, yeah. I know people get tired of hearing that disclaimer, but it's there for a reason. It is. It is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And, you know, we always have to make that disclaimer, especially as, you know, especially as health coaches and even as a dietitian, like, yes, I am a healthcare professional, but I am still always like, hey, you know, if we are taking any medications, whatever it may be, like we want to run these things by our doctors, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, that interdisciplinary approach is really, really important, you know, for sure. And Kyla, you may be able to like answer, like are health coaches technically allowed to be sharing like, like supplement? I don't, I don't know. There's like a weird gray area there. There's a bit, it's all gray. I think you have to like frame it as like recommendations. Like yeah, I think, that, I think it's like, I think it's like yeah. verbiage. Yeah. It's like suggestion. I think it's like, I think that's yeah. that way with really any of the nutrition or anything that you do is mm-hmm. yeah. recommended. I'm not like, there's like, for me in my contracts, there's all stuff or there was like, you know, like I'm not a medical professional, like check with your doctor, you know, the yeah. same way there is with yeah. it, take a fucking well, like Advil. Like, it even says, with, you know, like, check with your doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cause you've got a lot of brand influencers that probably aren't even like certified or registered health coaches or personal trainers. And they're, right. they're promoting these, they just have a large following count, which is not credentials, but people think that it is, you know, and yeah. mm-hmm. they, they don't have like that formal education and understanding the supplements or like have even toured the factory or something like that. Like, I'm just like, where are these getting made at? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, I always just think like, it's, it's kind of, you know, obviously they're, you know, FDA drugs and stuff. So it's different, but it's like, even, you know, it's like, obviously most, most people probably, and this is both good or bad, I guess, depending, because it could cause Mm -hmm. a lot of frustration for a coach that doesn't know what they're talking about. But in those scenarios, right. Like when we're saying like, check with your medical provider, like Mm -hmm. consult with a healthcare most people probably not going to do that. And they're going to trust you, which, you know, moves it along. Sometimes they should, but I mean, I think of it in terms of like, if you buy gas X off the shelf, it's going to tell you what it's for and why it can help you. And at the bottom, it's going to say, check with your doctor before you use it. You know what I mean? And most, like, no one's going to call their doctor. No one. And I shouldn't say no one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, so I guess, you know, like at the end of the day, and I think we all know this, but like at the end of the day, like the best thing that's all liability, educate, yeah. Educate the Mm -hmm. audience. Um, something that like in my dietetic curriculum that I found kind of mind blowing is, um, I had to, to write a paper on, um, like a popular supplement brand. And I chose one that is super, I'm not going to like name shame them, but I chose one that's super trendy. They have really beautiful marketing. I see them literally on the shelves everywhere. And, um, the lack of transparency with their like Mm. manufacturing methods and their testing and 
all of those things, you couldn't even access it from the main site. Like there were no, like not even at the bottom of the footer, mm, there yeah. were no links to flag. it. It was nowhere. The only way that I found it was because I had to literally Google the name and like their, their testing um, uh, practices. And then it like gave me like an external link that I was able to get to. And I'm like, nobody's going to do this. Like nobody's no. going to like, yeah, go through all of this. And I'm like, if you're going to be that sneaky, I'm like, I could never use your product. Like I just, I have no faith in you no. at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, that was, I know to do that. And there's so that, many brands out there. <laughs> that is such like a, a flag to me. But it is something some people just don't even consider. Like I remember we had a brand reach out to us to partner with the podcast. And we didn't end up doing it. There was nothing wrong with it. It was just like not whatever. But I did respect yeah. that when you went to their page, their page was very like, here's everything that's in our product. Here is like how, where we do it at. Like, and I was like, I was like, you know, even if it didn't align with us, I was still like, at least it was like, that was accessible because it didn't make them seem sketch. It just wasn't really yeah, with right. And, you know, and so I think that's something though, like from us, we like, I like noticed that right away. Like I remember when we, we like actually then took the time to look a little more into it and like yeah. let them to us to try because we were like, okay, like they're being, we are pretty straightforward brand, which is cool. Right. Um, but you know, a lot of things aren't like, it's just their whole website is marketing just right to like your pain points and things like that, which is like how marketing is set up to be. But then it's like, where is the, where's the backing, right? It's like why in our own content, right? We also do that. We speak to what our clients are going through, right. but we send educational posts to show like we do know what we're talking about or here's where mm -hmm. this comes like you know so yeah yeah, yeah. So just be careful <laughs> just be yeah. really careful yeah. that's yes that is a huge point to make is just truly be careful about the things mm -hmm. that you are taking so okay last question for you and then we'll wrap up here so yeah. one of the biggest things that you know we often get asked is do I need to cut out gluten and dairy whenever it comes to PCOS so let's talk about it like what does the research say is this actually something that needs to happen? Because it's so frustrating for me because obviously, you know, we know that there's nuance around everything and we know that it's not just as easy as saying that, mm -hmm. but the amount of, of clients that I have come to me who are like, you know, my doctor just told me like birth control, metformin, cut out gluten, dairy, see you later. So mm -hmm. super frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, I think um, like we as people and the community, we want those like rigid rules. Yes. We want there like, to be that one thing that's going to yes. fix us. Yes. I want you to like, even if it's, if it's, you know, not what I want to hear, I want you to just say like, oh, you should avoid this or you should avoid that or, you know, whatever. And then that was, go that's going to be the answer. That fixes um, it. Mm -hmm. I, I, there's no one size fits all. And something I preach all the time is there's no one best diet for PCOS. And I'm like really happy to see the, um, the international guidelines evidence-based guidelines for managing PCOS like they released a draft but they just released like the finalized version amazing um they like that was one of the big takeaways it's like with all of the evidence that we currently have in research and nutrition and PCOS there's no one diet that is superior mm -hmm. like none of them can yield any like better you know results and so on so right. with um gluten um I haven't checked most recently and I do have like flags. So if a, a PCOS study gets released, I'm, I'm notified. So, um, but um, there hasn't been any published studies yeah. to say that PCOS, like you could literally go to PubMed, Google Scholar and type in, I mean, I'll like PCOS and gluten. I'm talking about it, mm -hmm. but at one point in time, you were able to type all that in and you could pull up nothing. There was nothing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, so like, there is no, 
I guess, you know, science-backed evidence right, currently right. to suggest that we need to give up gluten. And um, you will have a lot of people, like I've had a lot of people get really angry with me when I say that. And they're like, well, I gave up gluten and I feel better. There's a lot of nuances in that too. And there's a are lot of things that gluten? could be playing into that. And what kind of yeah. gluten-containing products? Yeah, yes, exactly. And then it's like, you can have gluten intolerance and PCOS. Both of them can be true. Right. You can have celiac and PCOS. And like, mm-hmm. if that's the case, then yeah, you need to give up gluten. Like, I'm right. sorry, that's horrible. I can't you also it. could just be like somebody who like, maybe while you're, you were feeling bad, like physically or mentally from like being inflamed and that your inflammation is down just from, you yeah. know, removing things like that. Like, it's, it's so yeah. funny when people just automatically. I tend to eat a lot assume. more um, like fruits and vegetables that we like, mm-hmm. you know, more, more whole sources of food, but whenever they go gluten-free. And then, so they may feel better, like in, in the initial phase. And another thing that people don't like is, was it really gluten or was it like FODMAPs or like, you know, maybe your digestion is just not optimized. Like, are you under like really yeah. high stress and maybe you're not producing enough stomach acid to break everything down. Like there's right. so many things to it. Um, obviously, you know, do what feels good and what works best for you. There are some, some like scary downsides of that ideology because one, gluten-free food is more expensive. Um, mm, food sure. in general, it's like the cost of food is not going to go down anytime soon if it ever does. And so like, I try to be mindful of that. You can also be, um, you know, really reducing your intake of certain nutrients by doing that. Yeah. And you're creating, if it's not necessary to eliminate this food group and you're doing it like that, that can get in like really like hairy disorders, eating kind of mindset Absolutely. Um, and start really like harvesting some negative emotions towards food. Now, dairy, um, there was some evidence, like if you had like acne with PCOS and cystic yes. acne, that mm-hmm. reducing your dairy intake, you know, could be helpful to that. But mm-hmm. like, there's still questions around that. Like, how much mm-hmm. dairy are you actually consuming? Like, you know, like there's, you know, could you do, you know, yogurt every other day and still be able to manage your symptoms? And if you really love, you know, yogurt, like, why would you get rid of it as long as your symptoms are managed? Obviously, like if you're allergic to dairy and things like that, again, you can be, you know, dairy Mm -hmm. intolerant at the same time. But the idea that you just have to totally get rid of it is not exactly supported by science. Uh, So I think we need to be mindful of that. The other one that's really popular, well, so like keto, I hope hope I'm not jinxing myself. That one's kind of like. Quite what did you what did you say keto oh, like the ketogenic diet kind of oh yeah it actually has like quieted yeah. down very much so i feel like algorithms just protecting my piece but um the, like, the i've seen it though too like one. yeah like yeah there's just very limited studies and what i always find interesting about that one and um the mediterranean diet is probably the one that i think people would claim is the best uh mm-hmm. diet for pcos you can find the same results in these studies and other um, research. So like, for instance, um, in the keto diet, there's very limited studies, they're very short-term studies, and there's very limited participants because most people don't want to do keto for a long period of time. Yeah, screw that. And PCOS is lifelong. And so to me, like, if you can't keep up with it, what are you going to do? But um, the results that were achieved by that were similar results that we saw in the Mediterranean diet, which is like 50% carbs and the DASH diet that was like 50% carbs mm-hmm. and uh, just a low glycemic high protein diet that was still 45 to 50% carb intake. So it's like, I mean, unless you just really love that lifestyle and it's truly giving you the benefits that it should, that you're wanting, 
I don't yeah. understand why people are torturing themselves. I know, I know. And like I mean, you I did said, they want that simple answer, but it's, it's, you right. know, and there's so many like yo-yo diet. I mean, you all know like yo-yo dieting and like this, like going into keto and then coming out of it can just really skew a lot of things and Absolutely. Can really cause a lot of issues. And mm-hmm. like, there's just so much, like, I, I don't think that people realize because that like food is like really personal to all of us. And we all have our own right. ideology of what we think food is and should be and, and so on. And we've all been conditioned to feel a certain way about food since, you know, the beginning of our existence here. Yeah. So we all have like these own opinions and thoughts and theories in our head. So when you like really feel strongly about a certain way, on food, like I've know people that like just really feel strongly that gluten free is the way to go for PCOS. So they're teaching other people like this is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. I don't re- think that they are taking into consideration like the actual damage that could be done to someone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I you know they may be agree. helping some people, but there's some people that are really getting hurt in in the process too. Yeah, and like you said, I think it's just people want that one thing that easy Mm -hmm. fix that they can say, Hey, I'm going to cut this out or I'm going to do this. And I know that it's going to help me in one way or the other, but Mm -hmm. in all reality, it's so much more, you know, context dependent than that. And there's so much more to it. There's so much nuance around this. Like, can I just give like a little clip of like, okay, like if you don't know like what diet or what label or what, like what you should be doing, like if you could just do three things for me and this would like you can make this, a, you can fit this to whatever your needs are, mm-hmm. but um, start with your protein source on your plate, whether that is, you know, I would prefer it to be lean protein, but get your protein source and it can even be a plant-based uh, protein mm-hmm. option. Then add on a lot of fiber. Fiber is probably the most under a uh, like consumed nutrient that oh, absolutely. people have. And it can directly improve your, your insulin resistance and so much with your PCOS improved fertility so load up fiber, which is fruits, vegetables, grains, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. And then just add add some healthy fats in there, avocados, nuts, seeds, olive oil, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And just like, you can do that when you're dining out, you can do it with your snacks, like you can do it with any meal. It can be adjusted to your like personal nutritional wants and needs and things like that. If you can just do that and stop eating like food groups, like by themselves kind of thing, I think yeah. that would, that's going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, that's going to help a lot. Um, and I think just because we want a straightforward answer that does help kind of like simplify it a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. and, and you know and that that may relieve some pressure around food yeah. yeah I think that we like always wrap up kind of being like what would you like to leave our audience with and I mean and that was perfect we went yeah. through all this complex stuff and like in-depth stuff and then it's like okay if you needed just like one thing to start like an action item place before you can go to the doctors before you can do any of these other things I think that's like a great like direction for people to take good yeah I hope for sure helpful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This was all so, so helpful. I need to like, we need to do like a whole other podcast on like exercise for PCOS and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Cause I'm like, I would love to chat about that, but we're running yeah. out of time here. Yeah. So Letitia, <laughs> thank you thank so you. much for being here and just like, thank you for having me. Yeah. All of your wisdom, all of your knowledge. I know that this is going to be a really, really helpful episode. So we got to switch up our question, Kylie. Cause last time, if you remember, oh, yeah. we asked you what your favorite carb source was. And I remember you said, you were like, well, if anything, it's tacos, just as yeah. like food in general. 
But so yeah. I think we should ask, because we know how important healthy fats are. What's your favorite yeah. fat source? Oh my gosh, avocados every day. I'm yeah. like your basic millennial. I'm sorry. <laughs> Same girl. Me, I am too. I love yes, avocados. I, just, I love avocados. Um, that that would definitely have to be uh, my fat source. The only other one, like I probably use olive oil more than I consume avocados. But yeah. I, the first thing was like, yep, avocados. That one's easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have really come to like avocado or like the taste of avocado oil so much more than olive oil. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I have to spray, but I don't keep the like um like the, the jar of it so or the batter so I should totally do that <laughs> I love avocado like when I'm actually using the oil I love avocado oil but when I'm doing spray I always do olive oil spray yeah, yeah. I haven't had yeah. avocado oil not as a spray it's good it's, it's, it's just it's really... at Costco and it comes in like two big cans yeah, so, yeah there yeah. you go <laughs> yeah. that's the reason why I, I use it but yeah like uh man I'm I'm a big healthy fat lover <laughs> Same, same. Love the fats for sure. Well, and Mm. then of course, our last question is just where can our audience find you? So anything that you have going on, all of the plugs for the Endocrine Collective, and we'll link everything in the show notes. Yeah, I would just love it. Um, just I'm trying to build um, Interfriend Collective at yes. Instagram. So if you all want to follow me there and then um, my website, like it's in its infancy, um, but it's endocrinecollective.com. And um, I do have a lot of like recipes and blogs that are getting ready to go on there uh, over time. So I really Amazing. know in, in a matter of months, there's going to be a lot of resources available on there. Amazing. That's so awesome. And yes, you guys go follow Letitia. I noticed, I think you, how many followers are you up to now? And it happens so quickly. I'm getting so close to 2000. I'm getting so close to 2000. I just, I just went, I just went and followed you and you're over 2000, I think now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Cause this morning it was like really close and I'm like, y'all just get me, get me to 2000. I don't know. Like what you're at 2012 so you're in front of people good I'm glad I don't know <laughs> I don't know when they do that I've been curious too yeah so I don't know because it's like you know I, I I know this information like there are so many people that need that need it you know yes. so um you know I'm just trying to like get it out there in front of people and in front of the right people too <laughs> for sure yeah well you guys go follow Letitia at endocrine collective on Instagram go visit her website we will link all of those in the show notes and we'll link the previous episode that we did with her as well so Letitia thank you so much again thank you and thank you guys so much for listening if you learned something in this episode if this episode resonated with you please leave us a five-star rating and review tag myself Kylie Letitia and the not your quick fix podcast and we will be back next week with another episode for y'all we hope you guys have a great rest of your day and we'll chat with you next time bye Bye. guys